Well, praise the Lord. Uh, we're excited this morning. My oldest son, my oldest son is going to be ministering to you this morning. And I'm excited about this because uh, this gives me hope that the next generation is gonna be able to continue on even when my generation is gone. If Jesus doesn't come back, you know, we, there's, there's always talk about when Jesus is coming back. Listen, if it doesn't, he's gonna make sure that, that the word is gonna still go forth. And this is evidence of that. I'm excited about you guys. Be ready to receive something. Ask God now. Father God, we just ask you to open the eyes of our understanding. We ask you, Father God, that we would be enlightened this morning to the hope and to the high calling that you have for us through Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father God, that as your word is ministered, that Father, that we are good ground, that Lord, that we will bear much fruit because we have been attentive and because we receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Children are dismissed. I just did the move that I remember my granddad always doing whenever he was going to stand up to preach. He'd like put his hand in the coat. I don't know why I think that's funny. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Jonah. I think I know everybody here. Um, the last time I took a microphone down here, not up there, um, we talked about Hallmark movies. And they had originally asked me to, um, to teach about love and sacrifice in Hallmark movies. I respectfully declined. That was funny, y'all. Come on. That was funny. I've been working on that. I told him no. Um, I didn't want to be the Hallmark guy. So, yeah, anyways. I just, praise the Lord, right? I just want to, I want to say hey to everybody online. We're glad that you're watching now or if you watch sometime in the future after January 14th. Who's excited to be at church? Yes. All like, Two people. Who's excited to be at church? Yeah. Amen. Listen, I like church, okay? Church, church is what I do on Sundays. It has always been what I did on Sunday. I was born on a Monday, and the following Sunday I was in church. Okay? I have I've been I've been to church a lot in my life, okay? Um, and just I just want to say I had like a ninety, like a ninety-eight percent attendance record last year. That's, yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Um, I want to talk about something that will improve your quality of life, okay? Um, there's, there's so much. Me and Silas are wired very differently, um, and we talk about the advantages of reading fiction or reading self-help books or whatever. Um, and I don't even know why I said that. Um, that wasn't in my notes. Stick to your notes, Jonah. Um, I've heard it said, you know, we know that God doesn't have favorites. That's, that's in Hebrews um, the writer of Hebrews says that God does not show favoritism. But um, I heard one person say that you can decide if you're one of God's favorites or not. God doesn't pick favorites, but you get to decide what makes you a favorite of God, okay? So think about that. If you look through the Bible, we've just been reading through the lives of Abraham. We're in the middle of Isaac in Genesis. Um, later, we'll get to David. Some of these people were kind of messed up. Like Abraham goes into this new town and tells his wife, tell everyone, you're my sister, okay? Because they're going to think you're pretty and 
want to hang out with you and stuff, and they, they'll, they'll kill me if, if they know we're married. Um, David uh, had a crush on somebody else's wife and sent her husband to go be killed in war, okay? There's some pretty messed up people in the Bible, and yet at the same time, in both the lives of Abraham and in David, we see this incredible, unusual blessing that, like, we don't see in a lot of other people in the Bible. And I don't think it's a coincidence that with both of those individuals, um, as, as well as others in the Bible, that, that they're both men with um, very active lives of worship. Okay, so today we're going to talk about worship, um, and I want to challenge you today. I hope you leave today challenged that you want to go deeper in, in worship. Worship isn't something that happens on Sunday morning. That's, that's an unfortunate phrase that we have, um, that the modern era has brought, is that we have praise and worship, and then we have a sermon, and that's church, and then we go and do, do our life. Um, but in reality, worship is something that we do all the time in all things. I didn't give Esther this, but one of my favorite graphics ever is, it just says it's all worship, and it's, um, it's hands drawing, it's, it's hands cooking, it's hands playing the piano. It's, it's doing all of these things. All of it can be worship. All right? Y'all with me? Y'all with me? So my verse today that I love, I'm sharing a lot of my favorites today. Um, and it's also um, my favorite color is that blue, not the white. So anyways, anyway. John 4.23 says, but the time is coming. This is Jesus talking. The time is coming and it's already here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I think true worshipers is interesting because it implies there's fake worshipers, right? Right? Listen, I'm like 97% extroverted, and I get all of my energy from other people, okay? If I work in the office all day long, I feel dead and depressed, and I want to go home, okay? But like, man, if I'm hanging out with people that are excited to see me, I'm like, I'm good. I don't even need coffee that day, okay? So I need, I need a little bit, of, little bit of talking. So true worshipers implies there's fake worshipers, right? Okay, thank you. Next slide. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, okay? So worship is important to the Father. This is something that the Father is looking for, okay? Which implies it's not something, like it doesn't matter if it's important to you or not, Okay? It doesn't matter if it's important to you, if it feels natural. The Father is looking for people who will worship, for true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, there's a verse in 2 Chronicles that says the eyes of the Lord are scanning. This morning, they're scanning all across America in churches. On, tomorrow, they'll be scanning all across the world in people's houses, people's offices, looking for people whose hearts are completely his so that he can show up in their lives, so that he can do something. I want to say that you won't get all that God has for you unless you give all that you have to God, right? It makes sense, okay? We see that. We see that. Um, so just by a show of hands, how many people want to be somebody that God's looking for? Right? Yeah, hopefully everybody. So I want it that when God's eyes, when today, when they're scanning the earth, I don't know where they are right now, okay? But they're scanning the earth. And I want them that when they rest on me, he's like, ah, there's Jonah. I've been looking for someone who worships like him. You know, I want, I've been looking. He is exactly what I'm looking for. Okay, that is my heart's desire. I don't 
I don't care. I don't care about anything else. You know, I don't care. So let's look at what is worship. Okay, it's not just a part of the service. Worship is a response to something that you love. All right, it's a response to something that you love. That kind of broadens broadens it. You know, from from happening from ten thirty to eleven on Sunday morning. Right. Put another way. Worship is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. So the New Testament was originally written in Greek. How many of y'all know that Jesus wasn't talking Southern? It was originally written in Greek, and the word for worship sounds something like proskuneo, which means to kiss. And it's not a romantic kiss. It's the image of a dog kissing his owner. It's the image of this. Okay, y'all, so this is Strider, the infamous Strider. Okay, he's a mini Australian Shepherd. He's like five now. It hit me yesterday. I'm like, Strider's getting a little bit older because he's getting a little chiller. Um, But yeah, so I get greeted by this face every time I come home. I come home at one for lunch, and then I come home at five, and I'm done for the day at work. I get the exact same greeting. If I go out for a run before or, you know, whatever, and then I get greeted that way. And then I leave, I come home, I get greeted that way. I leave and I come home and I get greeted that way. And he jumps and he claws and he licks and he barks and he like wants you to, you know, play with his toy, whatever. Like he's got all these things that he likes. He's so excited to see me. And you know what? I'm excited to see him too. I used to think he was a little annoying and he won me over, okay? Just because like, I don't know. It, I don't know, that face will break you down. It is not like, okay, so anyway, back to worship. It's not the image of a cat kissing you, because they don't, right? And this is why cats won't go to heaven. Okay? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm trying to get y'all riled. No, the cat's like, like, when I wake up, she's like clawing at the door and stuff, and she's like, my food's in. I'm not hungry. I just want there to be food here. Because when you fill it up, she immediately, like, leaves. And then some other cat comes up and eats it. So, yeah. So this image of worship, it's the image of a dog kissing his owner. It's this total, like, obsession. You know, like, and um, I don't know how familiar y'all are with, like, young love. Okay? But, like, it's, it's something that, like, it's an obsession. You know, it's, it's unhealthy. Like, when you have a crush on somebody and you're a teenager, like, It's unhealthy. You talk about them. You think about them. You talk to them and stuff. And yeah, it's so anyway. um, Worship is not just a religious word, okay? If we see worship as love expressed, um, it's not just a religious word, okay? So I want to get that out of the way. We are literally hardwired to worship, okay? I want to show you some examples of worship in the wild. So this is... In 2013, Notre Dame played at Michigan, okay? This is the highest attended football game ever, all right? Um, In Ann Arbor, Michigan, this football stadium seats 107,000 people. Well, 115,000 people showed up to this game, all right? They were maxed out capacity. It's insane, all right? There's a lot of people, okay? Another example of worship in the wild. Taylor Swift has been touring the world, okay? 
This, this tour has been insane. It's been record-breaking, record bringing in billions of dollars. It knocked Taylor Swift into being a billionaire. Um, she played in 151 venues worldwide. There are approximately 72,000 people per venue. Okay, this is a football stadium that she packed out, okay? A lot of football stadiums don't get packed out on Saturday or Sunday, but Taylor Swift was packing them out. Um, each show was about 44 songs and lasted three and a half hours over 10 acts. It's insane, and it's just her. All of this adds up to about 11 million people worldwide attended this Taylor Swift tour, okay? To put that into perspective, that's more people than live in the country of Portugal. That's insane. So Taylor Swift could, like, go and found her own country right now, and she'd be, like, in the top 20 population-wise or something. So it's crazy. Taylor Swift fans are so insane, so over it, that they wore adult diapers to her concerts, okay? And this is one fan said, I wore adult diapers to Taylor Swift's concert. The rash was worth it. It's wrong. It's crazy. But can I ask, do you love something or someone so much that you will pee on yourself so that you don't miss a moment of being in their presence? Like, that's, that's devotion. That's worship. That is love expressed. I mean, like, I saw pictures that I wish I didn't see. They were like women in dresses and diapers. And it's like, it's crazy. So think about what happens to what, what appears to be entirely rational people. On Saturday, on Sunday, on Tuesday night at the Taylor Swift concert, they lose their mind, okay, when their football, favorite football team comes onto the stage, when their favorite musician comes onto the stage. I know that feeling. Like, I like to think that I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty chill person. I'm a pretty, like, reserved, like, nothing gets me super excited, whatever. And I went to a concert with my favorite bands, and like that feeling, it's like, oh my gosh, they're like 300 feet away. It's crazy. And I don't know, I mean, you hold it. I wouldn't wear a diaper, I'd hold it. But um, yeah, anyways. So what's your response? What's your response? Worship is a response to something that you love. People's responses, people's worship in the wild, it's absolute mayhem. Um, and yet we think these behaviors are totally normal when it's about Taylor Swift or the Carolina Gamecocks, you know? You know what I'm saying? It makes you a fan. It makes you a super fan. But if you exhibit those same behaviors on Sunday morning, people will call you a religious fanatic, you know? And they were doing it in Jesus' time. They were doing it in David's time. They were doing it in Abraham's time. If someone goes nuts over a football team, which is literally just 19-year-olds that you don't care if they live or die except for they play for your football team. If someone goes nuts for a favorite musician that's going to grow old, get raspy, and die. That's all completely normal. But it's, like, what I want to say is it's, it doesn't make you a fanatic. It doesn't make you weird, okay, if you worship God that way, okay? If you look through the Bible, like, Abraham was sacrificing like crazy. Like, if y'all been reading along, just, just in Abraham, just in two weeks of reading our Old Testament, Abraham was sacrificing like crazy. In Jesus' life, we see these crowds that are, like, shouting. They're, they're going bananas. And the Pharisees, the religious people are like, Jesus, you need to get these guys under control. But I'm, I'm not a religious fanatic. I'm really not. I'm a fan of the creator, 
the most high God, the lover of my soul, the one who sent his son to die for me. And I think he's worthy of a response better than I give him. Amen? Amen? Listen, amen just means, yeah, I get it. That's good. I'm taking that. All right? So, so amen? Amen. I hope, I hope that's good. I hope you're taking that. Okay, put another way. My hero said this. He said, I am a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? He went on to say, everyone is a fool for someone, be it Marx, Mao, Muhammad, or simply myself. So why not be a fool for Christ? How important is it to you to show your love to the creator, to the savior, the provider, the healer, the lover of your soul? Listen, just the fact that God likes me. Like, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't get it. At this point in my life, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um, and Paul told Timothy, he wrote, wrote Timothy, I think it's just a transcription, it's the lyrics of a song. And at the very end of it, it says, uh, when we're faithless, he remains faithful. And like for me, that's, that is reason enough to shout all day, to worship God all day, to be a fool for Christ. Because gosh, he's been faithful to me. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says you must love the Lord. You must express your love. You must worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, with everything, not just with, you know, with a weak voice on Sunday morning. It's worship God with everything, with everything. Um, when I was in, uh, I don't know if it was middle school or high school, I was taking algebra, and I hated it because it was so much, it just felt like so much busy work. And like, man, I want something to be worth my time, you know? And I just, in that moment, it just hit me. I was like, God created this, you know, and he's, he's showing me something. And I can worship him with this. I can, this is knowledge that he's given us. And I decided to love the Lord, my God, with algebra too. And you know what? I love math. I learned how to love math and in that busyness. And like, I got annoyed with friends in college who just complained about school. I'm like, I can love the Lord my God with music theory. And like, that makes, it, that makes it feel cool. So anyway, worship with everything. So John 4, 23, one more time. It says, but the time is coming and it's already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What's the formula for being a true worshiper? Worshiping in spirit and in truth. So what do these mean? Spirit can mean just from your heart. It's legit. It's, it's connecting your heart to the Father's heart. It's saying, God, like it's not just, you know, um, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like liturgy and prayers and stuff, that, those, are, those are gorgeous. Those are amazing. And I, I love it. I love it. But Sometimes if it's, if it's just wrote, if it's just written, like we can lean on, just say the words and there's no spirit behind it, okay? So it's, at the same time, it's not about feelings. It's like when you sit down with somebody and they're on their phone, you know, and they're texting somebody else that's not you and you're like, I just blocked out an hour of my day to get coffee with you and you're on your phone, like... And they're not making eye contact. They're thinking about something else or they're looking somewhere else. They're worried about what somebody else is saying. It's that way when we're worshiping God. Sometimes we sing songs and we're thinking about something different, right? 
I've been there, and I have to, I have to fight it sometimes because, like, my mind's, like, going off to what, what somebody said. Like, just dumb things come up, you know? Um, also, spirit can mean the Holy Spirit. Like, this isn't definite that it's about your spirit. It's worshiping the Father in spirit. And so what I like is I ask the Holy Spirit to empower me, empower my praise, because God is more worthy than any noise that I can make, than anything that I can do. He's worth more than that, right? So I ask the Holy Spirit in all things that this is, that, that this, that speaking today is not in my power, but it's the Holy Spirit, and that this is worship to Father. Romans says that we're made alive in Christ Jesus. Ephesians says that he quickens our bodies, okay? He makes us better, okay? So lean in. Worship is an opportunity to get familiar with the Holy Spirit, and that's good. Sometimes I just need help with my worship, and the Holy Spirit is there for that. The second part of this is truth, okay? If you just worship in spirit, it can get weird, okay? There's some people and, or some places that just worship in spirit, and they get woo-woo. You know, it gets weird, it gets uncomfortable, whatever. And it's not founded in truth. It's not based in truth. So everything that we do has to be based, like, in the Spirit and in truth. Okay? Y'all following? Truth is based on the Word and how it presents God. It's true north. Okay? We believe that true north, it's the Word of God. It's Jesus. Okay? True north is Jesus. It's the Word of God. And if we base our life on truth, if we base our worship on truth, it's good. Okay? Things, people make up crazy ideas about how God acts or how he behaves. Things like tongues, healing, money, guidance. People come up with their own crazy ideas. And like, I do it, okay? But like, it's so important to be in truth at all times that we only get, get it from the word, right? Right? We have to go through the word and see who God is. And we've seen his character in his dealings with Abraham with Psalms, and in Mark so far, it has to be both. It has to be both. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And again, I want God, when his eyes land on me, I want him to say, I've been looking for him. I've been looking for that. Spirit and in truth. Philippians 3.3 says, For we worship by the Spirit of God. For we who worship by the Spirit of God, are the ones who are truly circumcised. That just means a part of God's family. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We're not in this alone, okay? You're not, like, God isn't saying, you know, worship me, you dog. And then, you know, we have to, like, make it up and hope that he's happy with it. We can worship by the Spirit of God, okay? And if that sounds uncomfortable, if that sounds weird, all it means is, like, you know, when I ask my dad for like advice with coding or whatever, or I ask my mom with advice for like reading or talking to somebody, okay? It just means you've got some help along the way. I like, um, someone said this, a passionate love, a passionate love demands a passionate response. If you don't get worship, if you don't understand worship, if you're not excited on the edge of your seat to worship God, if you're not excited every spare minute to say that you're ready to say, wow, God, you're awesome. I love you. I don't know why you love me, but you do, and I thank you for it. 
I thank you for it. You're amazing. I see your fingerprints every single day in every person that I meet and in everything that I see. If you don't get it, then you don't understand how passionately he loves you. Okay, so that's what's kind of cool about this is it's not, I do something like, I do something to make my worship better. It's like, I get a better idea of how he passionately loves me. And my response is more passionate. It's like, we get familiar with God's love languages and how he likes to be loved, okay? And then he, in response, loves us too. Like, if you're around somebody and you have, like, your love languages are flipped, you know? Like, mine's are words of affirmation. Me and Lily were talking about this. Mine's are, my love language is words of affirmation. Lily's is acts of service, okay? Just because she doesn't say, hey, Jonah, I think you're the, the coolest thing ever, okay? Just because she doesn't say that doesn't mean she's not thinking it, because I know she's thinking it all the time, okay? And just because I'm not doing stuff for Lily all the time, it doesn't mean that I don't think that she's the coolest person ever, okay? But the moment that she compliments me, you know, and the moment I do something for her, it energizes both of our love, okay? And it, like, it bolsters our love for each other. Um, and that's just with siblings. That happens with, you know, in between your, your spouses, with friends. This is why Paul prays for the church in Ephesians. Dad quoted some of this today, that Paul prays for us, that, that our eyes are enlightened, that they're open to know the hope of the high calling. Okay, to know what is the breadth, the depth, and the width, and the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, okay? God loves you more than you can comprehend, okay? And for some reason, when you, when you understand how not understandable the love of God is, that's, that ups your game. That's cool. So, I don't know. So, what I pray for y'all is that, and I, what I pray for us, and what I pray for America is that we get... We get a Holy Spirit idea of how much the, how much the Father loves us. Um, on Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Jesus was crucified, um, Jesus was Jesus and his disciples were going up to to Jerusalem, and crowds like some people said that there were uh, some scholars say that there were millions of people in Jerusalem at the time, and there were just there were crowds, there were throngs of people, more than people more people than Taylor Swift can imagine coming to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem. And they were shouting. They were going absolute nuts. And the religious people, I've already said this, the religious people were saying, Jesus, get your disciples under control. This isn't cool, okay? This isn't dignified. This isn't orderly. It makes me uncomfortable, okay? This isn't how we've always done it. And Jesus said, if they are quiet, the stones will cry out. And I think that's ironic because, like, a lot of people, when they worship, they're stone-faced. Okay, but Jesus says that if we're quiet, the stones are going to cry out. Not just say something, but shout something. They're going to shout, God, you're cool. You're awesome, God. Are you going to let rocks take your place? What do you say? No. Are you going to let rocks take your place? No. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So with all of this in mind, I want to read... My favorite section of the story in the Bible. All right, and it comes from the book of Luke. I hope that you have a Bible that you love, okay? Um, I love the color blue. We've already talked about this. And this is a blue leather Bible, and I just love it. I love having it. I love the font, okay? I love reading out of it. Um, 
I hope that you have a Bible that you love to read from. I have Bible app on my phone that I do reference, but like what's cool about having a Bible is I've had this for like three years now, okay, and I've read out of it every year. I take it to church. I take it, took it across the world. Um, and there's no, like here, it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and the word. There's no notifications of how pretty girl 754 has requested to follow you. And then I'm starting to think about who is pretty girl 754. And then I find a funny cat gif. And then I get down, you know, to these crazy memes, these crazy reels, whatever. So there's no notifications that can derail my, my attention, you know, when it's just me and, me and the Lord. So anyway, anyway, I just wanted to say that. So Luke 7, 36, and I'm in the NLT. This is called, um, the heading in my Bible says, Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman. So one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come and have dinner with him. So Jesus went home, went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Real quick, this expensive perfume, um, this could have been an heirloom. This was, this was definitely the most valuable thing that she owned. Okay, this is probably something that was passed down mother-daughter and was so expensive, okay? All right, that's important, okay? This isn't some cheapo Macy's perfume. You know, this is, this is valuable. Then she knelt behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, Pharisee, just the religious leader, he said to himself, he thought, if this man were a prophet, if he were really who he said he is, then he would know what kind of woman is touching him. And she'd tell him to stop. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Jesus knows what you're thinking. He said, Simon, call him by name. I have something to say. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other. But neither one could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Who do you suppose loved him more than that after that? The one who gave, who was forgiven 500 silver or 50 silver? The one, yeah, the one who had more forgiven. Y'all are thinking like Simon. Simon answered, I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt. I don't know why he said, I suppose, because it's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of obvious. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time that I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. See, all of these customs were supposed to happen on Jesus' head. The oil, the well and the washing of the feet, the kissing, kissing Jesus' cheeks. And she's done all of this to his feet. I tell you, her sins, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So he, she has shown me 
much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord. Um, I forgot to give the rest of this to Esther. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Jesus is good. Jesus is cool. So talking about 21 days of prayer and fasting, you know, this woman takes this, this sinful woman, all right? She goes into a religious person's house, somewhere that she shouldn't be, all right? And she takes the most expensive, most valuable thing that she owns, most important thing to her, probably a family treasure, and she empties it on Jesus' feet. She's telling Jesus, here's everything. You're worth it. You're worth more than this to me. So 21 days of prayer and fasting is a time to see what is Jesus worth more of. All right, for us, Jesus was worth more than watching football. Yeah? Jesus is worth more than sports, than school, than family, than work. Jesus is worth more than everything. He said that the person who leaves their father and mother, their brothers and sisters, we read this on Friday. The person who leaves everything to follow me is going to get even more. All right? So it's beneficial for us to break our stuff at Jesus' feet. Um, Abraham, we saw this, getting ready to sacrifice his only son that he had asked God for, that he had prayed for, that he wanted, that he loved so much. God called it, God said, sacrifice your one and only son on the mountain that I show you, okay? And like, I mean, I've read that story all of my life, but reading it this time, it was insane. Like, he tied Isaac up on an altar, stuck firewood on him, and raised a knife to kill his son. Like, for me, that'd be kind of scary, right? That's kind of terrifying as a son. But Abraham was willing to give up everything that God had already given him, the most valuable possession in his life, was willing to give it up to God as an expression of his love for God. Okay? Is there anything that you couldn't give up for Jesus? Is there anything that you couldn't give up for Jesus? And that's what this time for prayer and fasting is about. Um, and I know y'all want to get back to the dogs and cats discussion. This woman was kissing his feet, okay? Feet, like, I think the anatomy of feet, is, feet are cool, but I mean, feet are, like, gross. Because y'all sweat in them all day, you know, probably don't clean them very well. But it's like, <clears throat> when I'm watching TV, like at night, I like to sit on the floor, um, and the dog just comes up, and he's just like, on my feet, just, just incessantly on my feet. And it, like, it tickles, and it's, it's weird. I'm like, what else have you been looking? But, yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's that image. It's that image. It's the worship. He's like, man, I like you more than anything, and that makes me feel special. How much more the Father? How much more the Father? We don't want to be like cats, who honestly, I'm not sure, like, if I died, if Fluffy would miss me. You know, but I know Strider, Strider would be waiting for me at the door. Um, anyways, 
but seriously, this woman had taken a form of worship, and it, it abhorred the people that were watching, okay? This was a disgrace. In another, um, another gospel account, Judas is like, dude, like, this is not cool. We could have sold that perfume and given that money to the poor and helped a lot of people out. And then this Pharisee, Simon, is like, Jesus is obviously, he's not who he says he is. Because if he is, he wouldn't let her touch him. And I think there's something, something so cool happening here. Jesus isn't after, like, reverence. He's not after stillness. Like, we were talking about it. Um, Riley's not in here. But we were talking about it on Wednesday night in our young adult and youth small group. We finished up the book of John. And so after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples are like, okay, what next? And Peter's like, well, I'm going fishing. So all the disciples go with Peter fishing. And they fish all night, don't catch anything. They find Jesus the next morning. He's got a fire on the boat. He tells them, throw it in one more time on the right-hand side of the boat. And they pull in 153 large fish. So Peter grabs his clothes, jumps in the water, swims to Jesus. And Jesus has prepped breakfast for them. This is the, the same guy who in the book of Revelation says, Behold, I'm, I'm the one that was dead and now I'm alive and I hold the keys to hell and to death. Okay? He's got everything. He's the, he's, he's the dude. Okay? He's the man. And he's, he's not only made them breakfast, stayed up all night making them breakfast. He serves them one by one. First the fish and then the bread. Jesus isn't after space. He's not after reverence. He's after your love. He's after your heart. He's after your worship. I mean, I don't know. I, that's something I can give him. That's something I can give him. He's not looking for us to be serious. He's looking for us to love him. So one more time, John 4, 23. The time is coming, and it's right now. January 14th. 2024 at whatever time it is it's right now when true worshipers which i'm in that group i'm in that group will worship the father in spirit with my whole being empowered by the holy spirit and in truth informed by the word of god informed by him i know who he is and i can worship that psalm 35:18 says i will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will not be quiet about my faith, okay? This isn't between me, me and Jesus. This is between me and Jesus, and everybody's gonna know about it, okay? Everybody's gonna know about it. I will praise you. I will praise you before all the people. Every person, every person that I have ever encountered knows that I'm a Christian, and I don't even tell them, and I don't know why, I don't know why they, how they get a whiff of the movies that I watch, how they, or the movies I don't watch, how they get a whiff of the language that I don't use, okay? How they get a whiff that I love Jesus so much. Um, I don't know. It's annoying sometimes because I feel like I've just, I've always got to talk about Jesus, man. Um, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. How many of y'all know that David wasn't singing in Southern? Um, and where we've got this one, what is that? We've got this one six-letter word called praise. In Hebrew, they've got seven different words for that, and they mean seven different things. Um, 
Sometimes it'd be fun to go through all of those and just see all the different ways that David praises the Lord. But I just want to mention this one here. I will praise you before all the people. This is the Hebrew word halal. For us, it looks like H-A-L-E-L. And it just means to rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. We get um, the word that I say a lot, that I love, is hallelujah. So halal, or halal, whatever. Um, Yah means Father, or means God, okay? That's God's name in the Old Testament is Yah. Um, so we get hallelujah, hallel, to rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish, Yah, God, to rave about God, to boast about God, to be clamorously foolish about God. David said he'd be willing to get undignified in his worship for God, be clamorously foolish. Um, so with all this in mind, the praise and worship portion of our service, it's not a pregame show. It's not to warm y'all up. Honestly, that's what I thought it was for, for a while. It was like, you know, I heard things like Judah praise plows the hearts of the people. And so what we're doing for the worship, it's like the warm up. You can show up late, you know, sleep in a little bit. As long as you get in before the service starts, it's the warm up. It's the pre-show. Um, and then, you know, you can get your coffee, go to the bathroom, whatever. And that we're just getting, getting everybody ready for the preacher. But like in reality, what worship is, it's like what, what the actual, what the, the music portion of our service is, it's like the Uber that I took in, from me and Silas' hostel in Lisbon to the, to the Lisbon airport. Okay, I woke up at 4 in the morning to go home. I was ready to get home. I woke up at 4 a.m. I'm a morning person. That's too early. Um, it was going to be an hour walk, and I was like, that's too far, so I'm going to take an Uber, my first Uber ever. And, you know, you know crazy stories about Uber. But I woke up at 4 not to take an Uber. I woke up at 4 to get home. I woke up at 4 to get somewhere. It wasn't about what kind of car it was. And it wasn't about how cool the driver was. The only purpose of that Uber was to get me to the airport, get me to somewhere else. You know, I could have taken the Uber to the beach, okay? And he could have dropped me off at the beach. But I would have had to get into the water right? He could only take me so far. And so that's how I feel like the music and me as a worship leader, I'm your Uber driver, okay? I'm trying to make it easy. And so like, if you don't like the music, I've had so many people complain to me about contemporary worship music or contemporary worship style, whatever. And if, if the music's your problem, then your focus is, is on the wrong place. Because this is the crazy thing about our music is it's not about the music, okay? You can give me a symphony by Beethoven. You can give me um, a nocturne by Chopin, okay, who is an incredibly immoral person, okay, and I can worship God with that. You can give me a hymn that was written in the 1700s, and I can worship God with that. You can give me um, this, this high praise. You can give me that. Or thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied by Charity Gale, and I can worship God with that. It's not about the music, okay? It's just the, it's just the ride to get you into the presence of God. It's just to put some words in your mouth that you can put some love behind and worship the Father. Um, I liked, one guy said that they've got, uh, like their music style, it's similar to us. Um, he, said, he said, I don't like to call it contemporary style worship. 
because he said, um, someone asked him, he's like, oh yeah, you're one of those contemporary churches. I don't like, I don't like that contemporary style. And he's like, actually, we're as traditional as it gets because we've got clapping, we've got shouting, we've got stringed instruments, we've got cymbals, all these instruments and all these expressions of praise that you see in the Psalms or in the early church. This is how we worship, okay? Okay, this, like, this kind of, you know, just like standing still and, you know, barely, you know, stone-faced worship, that's the new stuff. That's the new stuff, okay? Listen, I think, like, I just want to challenge you to explore some different ways of expression. Um, words come very easily to me. I don't know if you can tell. Like, words come easily to me. I like, I like to talk, okay? I like to talk. I'm not, if I'm not talking, I'm not really thinking, okay? I'm a verbal processor. So, like, to talk and to sing, you know, celebrate the king seated on his throne, that's very natural. But to do this is unnatural. I feel very exposed. You know, I'm like, oh gosh, they're looking at me. My sleeves are short. You know, my hands, what does the angle look like in my slouch in? And I, you know, like you start, get, I, get, I get so self-conscious of my body. Like I don't love being in a body. You know, like I'm gonna be so excited when we're just like, when we're out of the body. Cause, but yeah, I just wanna challenge you to like bring, bring your voice, bring your voice into it, bring your body. like. You know, I'm not an off-the-ground jumper. I'm a, like, calf-raising jumper, okay? That's me. So I'm like, you know, celebrate the king, whatever. Like, I like to stay a little bit grounded. So, like, you find your style of worship, but, like, explore some different ways of, like, telling God, hey, I love you more than my awkwardness. You know, I love you more than I feel awkward. And I'll jump in front of people. I'll worship people. I'll tell people that, you know, I'm not going to watch TV for the next 21 days. And commit to that, you know, on, on a live stream. You know, like, God's worth so much more than we give him. And we let so much get in the way of that. So again, the songs, they're not about the songs. And you can worship God in stillness. Um, another, like, I won't, I won't, I'll talk about it a little bit right now. But, like, I love... The verse that says, be still and know that I'm God. Like, to me, it's so cool to wake up a little bit early and just spend, like, five minutes. Um, like, I'll have my coffee, and I'll, I'll just be with Jesus. And I'm like, here I am, Lord. This is, like, a very old form of worship. This is, it's, like, established, established you know, 480 or something in the church that you just say something like, Christ have mercy, or, like, here I am, Lord. And you just listen, and, like, I just feel the the presence of God, you know, and I worship him in that silence and in the stillness, but even still, that's a choice. That's a choice that I'm posturing myself, you know, and I'm, I'm quiet, and I'm like not letting anything get in the way. Like if God wants to do something in this moment, or if he just wants to tell me that he loves me, which is like insane, that he does, and he tells me, like he goes out of his way to tell me, and he doesn't have to, but he does. So anyways, Let's finish with this verse from Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. How loud is your faith? How loud is your love for God? You know, 
like my lips won't be closed about my faith. Sometimes I have to forcefully open them, but they will be open and they will openly profess his name. And so like with all of this in mind about, you know, worship being love expressed, it makes this continually offer God a sacrifice of praise. It makes that more accessible. It's not, I'm singing all the time, you know, celebrate the king. I'm walking the angels, seated on his throne, the glory is, you know, it's not that. It's not that it's saying, okay, God, when I'm shopping, you know, I'm worshiping you. How can I express my love to you in this moment? How can I, you know, and the sacrifice, it's something that you don't want to give, but you give it in. You know, it's, I mean, like, I admire my dad for what he did last week because, like, you know, the sacrifice, the things, that's what fasting is. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's saying, Jesus, you're worth more to me than this, um, this jar of, this, this incredibly expensive jar of perfume. C.S. Lewis said something um, in reference to the, to the story about about this um, immoral woman that Jesus ended up clearing, but we still call her the immoral woman. Um, he said, I think I get it. He's like, I think the way it applies to us is that we're the, the jar of perfume. It's our hearts, that our hearts have to break at his feet, that our heart is the most, invi- most valuable thing to us. And that's how we get born again, is we lay, lay ourselves down. You know, we say, I can't do this on my own. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true speak what is true. And so sacrifice of praise, it can feel awkward, it can feel uncomfortable, but this is a safe place. This is a safe place. And nobody's going to judge you. I don't care what you do, okay? I want this for you because I know this will quali- this will um, upgrade the quality of your life because it has upgraded the quality of my life, okay? I'm not asking you to do anything um, that, yeah. Yep, I don't know. So God is looking for true worshipers. I want you, I want this to not be like a New Year's resolution um, that gets forgotten about in February, okay? I want this to be a decision. A decision has some action behind it. You know, um, when I decide, you know, when I decide to mix up the grind setting on my coffee, you know, that's not something that I write down on my notebook and I'm like, I'm going to at some point in the future change the grind setting on my coffee. I'm going to, I decide and I change it. I make the change, you know. So I want you to decide to go deeper, to try something new, okay? Not just to be trying something new, but the reason behind this decision to, to worship God is that you, you give him better love. You know, you tell him, God, like, you're worth it all. Like, you're worthy of it all. I have go-to songs. Um, like, sometimes sometimes I just don't, I don't feel like talking. I know, it's hard to believe. Sometimes I just don't feel like talking. But I've got songs that give me words to worship. I've got psalms that give me words to worship. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures, and you lead me beside still waters, and you restore my soul. songs like you're worthy of it all you're worthy of it all for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve all the glory 
all the praise, all of the attention, all of the honor. Or I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again. Because all that I have, Lord, all I've got is a hallelujah. All I've got is to celebrate you. It's to celebrate God. It's to, it's to rave about and to boast about you. And um, an old chorus is just, I love you, Lord. And I lift up my voice. This is how I warm up in the mornings. I practice piano the first thing in the morning. And um, I don't like doing scales or arpeggios or all the things that, you know, your piano teachers want you to do. Um, but I play church music first thing. And the one I usually do is I love you, Lord, and I lift up my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. And so have, two or, have some songs that we sing. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You're worthy of it all. Have some songs that, that you can feel comfortable with, that just when you're driving in the car, that instead of listening to something, you know, listening to more noise, more input, that you just, you just tell God, you're like, God, I'm driving. I'm sorry that I can't give you my full attention, but can I just, can I just worship you for a minute and just tell you that you're worthy of it all, that you're worthy of it all. And I, I woke up yesterday morning singing that, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. And he's good. He's good. It's cool in those moments because he, um, he shows up. And, like, I can't even express the feeling. Like, I hope you know what that feeling is. And if you don't, you can, you can get it. You can, you can feel it. And the feeling's not important. Like, the sense of, of the presence of God isn't near as important as the presence of God. But, man, when you feel the presence of God, like, it changes your day. It changes everything. So, you got something to sing? So why don't all of y'all just stand? Okay, and I just, I just want everybody, nobody's looking. Just close your eyes and raise both hands. I don't care where they are around your body. Just raise both hands. Everybody, every person in the room. And just tell them, tell them, here I am, Lord. I love you so much. I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you, that you help me. I love you so much that I'm willing to ask for help. Holy Spirit, please help me give better praise, better worship. Because I love you so much. And let's sing. Oh, oh things have passed away. But your, your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace The things that we thought were dead, breathing in life again. You caused your sun to shine on darkest nights. Oh, for all that you've done, we will.
we just love you so much we love you so much Holy Spirit I ask that in every person in this room that's in the back that is listening online or ever will listen online Holy Spirit I ask that you stir you stir in them stir in them a heart of celebration stir in them stir in them some halal to rave, to boast about you to be, to be willingness to be clamorously foolish for you Show us what it is that gets in the way of our love for you. Because I don't want that. I don't want that. I'm going to die and everything that I have, everything that matters to me is going to pass away. But you won't. But you won't. And I want to live for eternity. I want to live for eternity with the knowledge that, that, that you were searching across the earth. And you scanned over a lot of people who were fake worshipers. But man... When your eyes rested on Jonah, when your eyes rested on Jonah, <clears throat> when your eyes rested on me, and you were like, yeah, that's it. That's it, because God, I love you so much, and I don't, know, I don't know where to begin to worship you, except to say, I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again, because all that I've got is a hallelujah. All I can do is to lift up my voice and to boast about you and to talk about the things that you've done. Because your faithfulness, it's lasted forever up until this point, and I don't see it ever ending. God, I thank you for everybody that's here. And I hope they know how much we love them, how much I love them, how much that I look forward to seeing their faces, to singing songs with them. Lord, and I just ask for more. I just ask for more. Um, more revelation, show us your passionate love for us so that we can't help but respond passionately because you're worth it, because you're worth it, because you're worth it. You're worth more than an alabaster box of expensive perfume. God, you're worth more to me than my job, than my family, my dreams, my music. Lord, just, yeah, just keep You're worth more to me than everything, God. And I just love you so much. I love you so much. Stir us, God. Stir us so that we can have more. So that 2024, when we look back, that this was a year of praise. That this was a year of praise. 
year of praise. God, because you're worth, you're worthy of celebration. Father, I love you so much, and I thank you for this, and I don't want to stop, but I know people want me to. Um, we just love you. In Jesus' name.